0: Hello there. Welcome to the IWS Podcast. I'm your host, RJ, and I have a very special guest today, my man, Carlos Del Rio. How are you doing today, Carlos?
1: Doing fantastic, brother. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you.
0: Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. I know we had a very riveting and exciting conversation (laughs) a couple of days ago. So Hopefully (laughs) hopefully we'll capture some of that magic again uh, as we go through and actually get to record it this time. But I really appreciate you for being here. I think we're gonna have a very engaging discussion that a lot of the listeners will be able to appreciate and hopefully take something away from the conversation. So I always like to begin and start by letting the guests give a little bit of background about who they are, where they're from, and really talking a bit more about their family dynamics and their environment. Because in my experience for a lot of us, that really shapes our perception as we get older. So if you don't mind, if you could talk a little bit about your lived experiences growing up in your in your household.
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Carlos Del Rio. I am 26 years old. Um, my my dynamics are pretty interesting, I would say, um, but um a blessing and, and I would say a lot <laughs> of fun. <laughs> uh, I was born in the Dominican Republic, this little tiny island in the Caribbean, right next to Puerto Rico, right next to Cuba, right next to Jamaica. Paradise. Truly amazing. Um, <laughs> really, honestly, can't phrase it better. Uh, it was wonderful growing up there. Um, I would always be in nature. There was, you know, beaches, rivers all the time. Um, my parents specifically, like, they actually got separated when I was about four. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and my dad used to travel a lot, like, and I mean, like, out of the country. He was either in Venezuela, Puerto Rico, or here in the U.S. Um, so I would, I wouldn't see him very much. Um, it was. It was cool. Like he, he would call as much as possible. He would never miss my birthday, and stuff like that. He would always try his best, um, which was wonderful. Like, even though my parents were separated, they had a really nice communication. Like they would, they, they would make sure that mm. um they will make sure that I will have both my parents in my life, which is amazing. I know that that, that not a lot of people get that that blessing. Beautiful. Um and, and once I turned about 10 or 12, um, I actually started traveling myself. um, And I, and this is why I say it becomes a little bit more interesting, because I would do a year with my dad and a year with my mom. Um, So I would be, yeah, so I would be a year in Puerto Rico, a year in Dominican Republic, a year in in New Jersey two years in new jersey and then uh two years in in the america republic um and by then uh, by this time i'm in high school right so i did two uh, i did half of high school in the america republic and and i finished high school in new jersey um i grew up um in Passaic, new jersey um which is the hood uh for lack of better (laughs) words uh like there there was gang violence there was um a lot of poverty a lot of um um scarcity mentality it was it was It was at the time I didn't know, like it was, you know, the United States. So I was like, you know, I I don't know, like I made it, it's cool. Uh, (laughs) But once I went into uh, college, actually, um, and I went to William Patterson University, it's like basically the suburbs in northern Jersey, about 30 minutes from from New York City. kind of re I that's kind of when I learned that I was from the hood um because you know I was around it. I was surrounded by a lot of um wealthier individuals um yeah and they were like wait um there, there were gang fights after school I'm like yeah like all the time you guys didn't get that like I don't <laughs> <So, laughs> know
0: like, a, uh, a little different a little different
1: different. um but yeah like when I got there I was like I realized I'm like oh so like not everyone would dress up like this all right cool um, but it was awesome. Like I, I, I was always social because I was always traveling. So like I made friends and stuff like that. Um, that I still like friendships that I still hold to this day. Um, graduated from there, got my bachelor's in psychology. Eventually moved to Arizona, um, where I live now. I live in Phoenix, Arizona right now. Um, and about what like this year actually, I just got my master's in uh, special education and applied behavior analysis. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it's been a lot of traveling, um but it's it's honestly been wonderful and I, and I and I've had the blessing of always having both my parents in my life. Um and yeah, like it's it yeah, it's been that's about it for from my background.
0: Man, that's that's <laughs> ex, that, that's extensive though. I mean, yeah, yeah. we 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 got to make sure we unpack and appreciate the gravity of everything you laid out there. I mean, mm-hmm. just the I mean, for me, I would say number 1, I'm always a big fan of when I hear that parents regardless of whether you're together or not, that you effectively communicating and co-parent together, right? Mm -hmm. Because every child needs both of their parents involved in their life. And so I'm glad that regardless of whether they were together or not, that they seem like from your perspective that they were able to work effectively together. (laughs) Now on the flip side, man, talk about a a journey of traveling. You're right. Like I feel much more stationary compared to you. You (laughs) over here, like I was in DR, I was in PR, I was in New Jersey. I'm just, I'm all over the place. Yeah. Um, but it seems like you, you were very much embracing that type of maybe nomadic lifestyle if you will. Definitely. So it, it seemed like that worked for you. Um, and then you said, you know, finishing up school here in New Jersey. So I'm sure that was maybe a little different of experience compared to doing high school in DR. Definitely. But I want to go back to what you were talking about recognizing you were from the hood. Right. Cause I, I think that the reason that goes to the crux of why I even asked the question, you don't know anything different because it's all you know, right? For you, it might be a little different because you you actually traveled to different countries and you had to live in different environments. So maybe there was some compare and contrast. But well, for a lot of us, when we are relatively stationary, meaning maybe I grew up in one, possibly two places, maybe we moved once in my childhood. But for the most part, we, stay, we stayed somewhere for a period of years before we would leave. It might be much harder to really conceptualize what you just said. I don't even recognize that I lived in these types of environments because it's all I knew. It's not until you meet other people who, like you pointed out, didn't experience a lot of these things. Maybe they didn't hear gunshots. Maybe there weren't liquor stores on all the corners. The corner. Maybe yeah. there weren't uh, carjackings or people getting robbed or people mm-hmm. generally feeling unsafe. Maybe the schools in their environments, like the public schools or private schools, were in better condition, better funded. Mm-hmm. You don't. We don't know any of that stuff until we actually compare it until somebody else tells us something different to challenge what we think to be true. And that's the reason, the main reason why I haven't asked those questions, because we don't know any better until we usually become of age. And hopefully, we've had an opportunity to challenge our thinking and maybe evolve in some ways, you know, so I'm hoping that somebody might maybe be able to appreciate what you were laying out there, because I think for a lot of us, we don't recognize it until Maybe until we get into a, a, a rough situation and realize maybe that hasn't impacted us for a very, very long time, and we just weren't really aware of it. So Definitely. that can be that can be very um, it could be an interesting dynamic to try to learn to appreciate. Yeah, we um,
1: I, I learned that you, sometimes you carry things with you that you don't know you're carrying.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so like that awareness and that especially that exposure to our other cultures and other ideas, um, I believe, really helped shape. Uh, who I am today, and really allowed me to like, honestly, for a lack of better words, to level up. Um, yeah. And, yeah, like I think I, that's why I love what we're doing right now because that exposure really um is powerful.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm with it, man. That's and that's that's you know, a big part of the platform is hoping that other people, but particularly other men and young men can maybe appreciate a bit of what we're discussing because hopefully some of it resonates with them. and they see that there can be more to life than maybe what they see only in their immediate environment, you know, cause seeing is believing as we say, and it's hard to imagine things you don't have around you. You don't get to witness personally. So hopefully this will, you know, this will help somebody, but piggybacking on what you were mentioning at the end about your education, getting that master's in um, special education and behavior analysis. I want to ask you a little bit about some of your time, maybe in your career, that you may have had an opportunity to work in the field? Like what motivated you to help you to want to earn that degree?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. So I, um, to a little bit of background, I, like most uh, Latinos, uh, <laughs> especially, uh, I wanted to be a doctor, medical doctor, when I went to college, mm-hmm. um, for my bachelor's, I was going to do biology and all that and like go for pre med. Um, but I ended up taking um, psychology 101. And I just clicked. Fell in love with it. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. I honestly didn't know anything about it, but I knew that it, it it was my calling. So I decided to go for it. Again, my parents are super supportive. So they're like, "Yeah, like we got you. As long as you're uh, as you're continuing to move forward, it's all good." Um, but do it, while I was getting my, my bachelor's, I was working at restaurants. I was working. Um, I was just make doing whatever I need to do to yeah. pay for my bills because um, yeah. I have books to buy. I had car payments, all the stuff. So I, I worked at multiple different restaurants. I worked at fast food. I worked at, high, at fine dining. I did management. I did bartending. I did a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I graduated, um, I was introduced to the, to the opportunity here in Arizona to come work at a charter school with kids with autism. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, like while I was in Jersey, um, I I basically met a friend who worked here. Um, and he told me that he would love um to introduce me to his to his um to his leaders and everything and see if it's in alignment. So honestly, I I sent my resume um virtually. They told me they were very interested. So I grabbed my savings, I came out here, uh, I basically interviewed, had a job here seven days after moving here right away. Um so that was really helpful for sure. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and I had um I had love for 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 the autistic community. Um, because I grew up one of my cousins actually, he um he's about a year older than me. And we grew up together in DR. Um and he never had services. He never actually got um it mm. was his mom doing everything. Um mm. and and now he's a grown man and everything and he 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 never actually has services. So I knew that I needed to do something to like learn um how i can help that community yeah and you know like i i i never have anything against like starting from from the bottom especially if you don't know anything so i started sure. as a i started as a teacher's assistant basically um providing behavioral support i was working with like the tougher cases in the school um i was dealing with aggression i was dealing with um bites like like literally anything that you can imagine like Chairs flying, um, punches, all the things like I, I was trained in, in restraints and all that stuff. Um, and I worked there for about a year, um, like but the last few months. Actually, my teacher was absent like a lot of the time she had a lot going mm-hmm. on, um, like most teachers do, like they have a lot to to um, to deal with. Oh, yeah. um, but that meant that I had to step into the teacher position. So I would literally have four classrooms that would rotate of kids of different age groups of different um behavioral um n- like needs um and stuff yeah. like that and i will work individually with all of the kids um and that was definitely very challenging after that i realized that i do not want to do that uh, <laughs> yeah, i was like nope
0: that was, that enough, of that.
1: That was enough of that that's enough of that that year um and i i ended up actually getting multiple offers for clinics all over the valley i wanted to be work for them because like you know bilingual a male with um, behavioral experience and a psychology degree. Like it, it they, I, I, w- I wasn't concerned about getting a job at um, mm-hmm. that point. Um, so I ended up choosing um, a really awesome clinic actually that had beautiful supervisors, like really, um, really knowledgeable supervisors who knew a lot about the field. Uh, and they did training both group and a lot of one-on-one training as well. So anything that I needed, they were right there to give me feedback and help me out. Yeah. Um, it went from me working at a classroom to working one-on-one with the kiddos. Um, so that was a lot of weight of my shoulders as well. Cause I had a classroom of like eight, nine kids, yeah. all behavioral, um, uh, to moving to one kid at a time. Again, here um I still was working with like the toughest chat the toughest um cases. Um, the most not toughest, but the, the most challenging cases. Um a lot of kids who were that were non-verbal, a lot of kids that um, aggressed, that engage in self injurious behavior um whether it was biting themselves whether there was um, there was a lot of that for sure yeah
2: Uh,
1: i love the work uh it was incredibly rewarding um the parents love me the kids love me i love the work itself i got a promotion so i was making more money uh i felt like i felt felt great honestly like i I loved it uh soon after that i got i got accepted into into my master's program so i'm like everything everything's coming together beautifully like this is great uh, and I got accepted into my master's program, February of 2020. Um, so <laughs> well, uh, I was like, this is great. I think, I, I think we know
0: what happened the next month.
1: You know, um, I was like, I has, I, I had savings go, go, growing. Like I was like, everything's coming together beautifully. Um, and then the clinic started closing out, uh, parents started taking their kiddos out of, of sessions, which meant I would literally just lose like chunks of eight hours, um, per week. Um, yeah. just because I wouldn't have a client. Um, and I had trips that I had to cancel and everything like that, all of that. But I was like, okay, cool. Like, it's all good. But at the time, um, I had this idea that, you know, we'll get back to to the normal, like, whatever, whatever the normal meant. I was like, we'll get back to it,
2: mm-hmm. this and
1: that. Um, the clinic just uh, kept having to close. Um, or, like, parents would literally take their kids out. And like my finances were taking a hit, but I loved the work. Um, I, it, it, it was in alignment with the schooling that I was getting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my supervisors already had the masters that um, the degree that I, I was uh, pursuit of. So yeah. I was like, I'll do it. It's all good. I was basically working part-time at the clinic. So I decided to start my own business. Um, Like Billy really just did virtual coaching. Cause everyone was asking me like, yo, how are you staying in shape during the pandemic? And I was like, cool. So I started doing coaching for friends and family. Um, and, and I would just do virtual coaching, like Zoom yeah. calls and stuff like that. I would write uh, programs for them using behavioral principles and the stuff that I've learned um, in my own experience. Um, so amazing results. Like literally, it was it was really a rewarding work as well. Mm. Uh, I was exhausted because uh, I was out of my own business. I had to do social media. I had um, my master's program. I had to get supervision hours. It was wild and i did that for a whole year i did it all the way to like like literally july um not july um yeah june 2021 okay um but a month before that before i, I and that and, and this dates are important because by that time i got i started realizing like hey like this is not sustainable this is not something that like i i want to continue to do um and my wake-up call was when i was diagnosed with depression in may of 2021 and I was really confused. I was like, "Wait, what?" But like, I don't understand. Like, I I have psychology degrees. I have uh, an amazing support system. Like, like I understand that like COVID just happened. There was a lot of trauma. Like, I know That's all right. of that stuff. But like, I don't understand like why I have literally clinical, de- literal clinical de- depression. Um, and I went to I went to a, a um a psychotherapist. But not yeah, not psych- Yeah, a psychiatrist. Actually, I went to. Uh, I wish I went to a psychotherapist. I went to a psychiatrist, uh, and um I had two sessions with him, basically, two really short sessions. and he um immediately just here meds. um you're just giving me the antidepressant meds. I honestly he never really asked me about my habits. He never really asked me about my diet. He really never asked me. He never even pro- like proposed some coping skills before actually moving into medication. Um got it, got it. And yeah, like I ended up um. Doing what he what he told me and everything like that. Um, the following month, the same month that I quit my job, I put my month notice. I got a call from my dad's friend telling me that he fell he fell um, victim to alcoholism. Like he ended up like really 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 ill. Um, I took a flight out there while in my, my master's program, so I was literally um, getting my masters. While helping him, like get everything under control, cleaning his room, calling um, his insurance company to get get him help and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was not about it because he's a macho man uh, and he is not gonna get help from people. Uh, so you know, I only right. had a week there. Yeah, I only had a week there. So I did the most, the best that I could. I sat with him. I helped him out the best that I could. I called his insurance. I literally said, I schedule uh, appointments for him and everything. Um, but then I had to go back. And when I came back, um, to, to work, my, my boss told me that because I already resigned the PTO that I accrued for two years working there wasn't, uh, they weren't going to, um, honor it. So wow. I didn't know how I was going to pay rent the, next, the following month. I was like, wait, uh, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I, and I, and I was like in awe, but Honestly, at this like the following month, I I I actually started a strategic strategic partnership with a superfood company here and actually here in California, um, that like allowed me to really step into what I wanted to do and my mission of like basically sharing the message of generational health and wealth with our communities, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, and I was able to do that and use that as a vehicle to um, do my business, which at the time what I wanted to do was do like coaching sessions for for kids with autism um basically health and fitness cuz i i saw a lot of a lot of problems in that in that area and no support yeah. for the entire valley um and um yeah so after that like um i i really stepped into my into my business and ever since then like it's it's been um it's just been growing and it's been uh, like just been wonderful and and now that i graduated now i can actually have a lot more time, <laughs> sure, and, sure. Yeah, and I could, I've been diving into my business, and and yeah, like it's been going amazingly for sure. Like and I'm doing presentations in front of like so many people in Spanish and English, and like really doing what I'm what I feel like I'm called for. um Yeah, and,
0: yes, sir. Yeah. Now we we love that man. I mean, yeah. Again, you said so many good things there. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. all the all the vulnerability. Like, oh, sure. I, I think it's, it's so important to, to acknowledge that because they have so many different things that are going on in life in real time and trying to navigate that imbalance that it can be very, very challenging, which is exactly what I, what I digested from what you said, trying mm-hmm. to manage going to grad school, trying to navigate family challenges. If, you know, if a loved one falls ill, trying to navigate financial hardship when you're having that issue, like, you know, that is really unfortunate that you weren't able to utilize your PTO like that. That can hurt a lot of people. Yeah, you said two (laughs) years, like, that's really hard to to deal with, you know, so shout Mm -hmm. out to you for being able to make it through that. But regardless, you found a way not only to get through that point, but then an important thing I think that you mentioned that I want to make sure I highlight is I decided to then start to work for myself. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that, there was a change of the work dynamic because, and this happened to a lot of people right? in the pandemic. I had a position, it's not here anymore. Or I have a position, hours got reduced. Mm -hmm. So I have to find a way to make it through. How am I gonna make ends meet? And some of us pivoted and tried to do something else. Even maybe while we were doing our normal job, maybe we just left it all together because maybe it wasn't there anymore. And I can really resonate with you, man, because like like you in that regard, I worked at a school and um, they were slowly reducing hours and reducing hours. It it was a college, but the point was the ability to provide was being impacted and at some point got faced with a similar decision that it sounds like you did as well. I got to decide, am I going to keep kind of waiting for them to hopefully help me out or for things to resume normalcy or I got to try something different? And I opted to go into full private practice for myself. So I can definitely empathize with you, going to do things on your own. And uh, I think, you know, there is a certain level of freedom, obviously, being able to do things of your own accord. But obviously, there's more risk. So you got to be comfortable with making sure that you're doing everything possible to not only survive, but thrive. So a lot I think, of challenges,
1: think, uh, yeah. It's a lot of oh, yeah. challenges and things that you have to learn when you you go into oh, business. Yes.
0: So, like, oh. it's a lot
1: of uh, like just a lot of high expectations that you kind of have to detach from, uh, especially. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, but it's an amazing. Like, honestly, I feel like that's it has been the most powerful learning experience of my life.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: even though I've only been doing it for about two years, I've, I've I've gained so much knowledge about myself, about how business works, about the world um that i uh i always um recommend that to people like if, if that's an option like at least look into it uh mm-hmm. look into it um yeah especially like like people like 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 you and i who have specialized knowledge in something um it, i wanted to make sure that i serve as many people as possible and at, and at the time of the clinic i wasn't doing that um right,
0: right. so
1: by stepping in like into my own business i was able to help more people and now i'm literally helping more people than i really thought it was possible uh like if you asked me a year ago i was like no that's not true
0: (laughs) you're you're Uh, right you're right man especially with which i think was also cool is being mm -hmm. able to have this space like being more Mm -hmm. many people being more open to the idea of doing things virtually right because i'll say in the field of mental health we are definitely old school in that way very much you know you come in you sit down and and we do the work in that traditional sort of way um things got very interesting just like what you said going into March of 2020 because many industries i know mental health was not just one of them but many industries had to learn to do things virtually and some of us had never been trained or prepped on how to do that so we had to do these things on the fly but as you said just a moment ago seeing as where we're at today how you can get you can get a lot of services done virtually you can get you know groceries brought to you You can order a lot of things online like there has been a a certain level of i think access that maybe Mm -hmm. wasn't there so just to give like a quick example in mental health a lot of times you would be locked to maybe the immediate vicinity or region that you're in Mm -hmm. like maybe, maybe that's the city maybe that's the town right because people the expectation would have been people need to come to you in some cases you might go to them but more often than not you want them to come to you Mm-hmm. that wouldn't be practical if they're like three hours away, you know, like they're not going to do that once a week or mm-hmm. even once yeah. every other week, they probably don't want to have to do that. But when you have this idea of telehealth and being able to do sessions virtually, well, now I've unlocked the entire state. Now I can see anybody in my state. So, and then if you're licensed in multiple states then you can see them wherever you are, but the point is it increased the av- availability and the accessibility for a lot of us. So that was a big, big change. And when you talked about doing virtual coaching, I'm sure that that maybe made it a bit easier as well, because you have potential clients that are more open-minded to that idea and not thinking like, oh, I only need to be sitting in front of you in order for this to be effective. But I don't know if you want to add anything to that.
1: No, definitely. I mean, honestly, I 100% agree with that. Like my clients, when I was doing the virtual coaching, when I first started, I had clients in New Jersey. I had clients in Pennsylvania, living here all the way here in Arizona. Um, So Mm -hmm. that definitely really helped. Um, and especially during a pandemic when we couldn't even actually see each other. Like yes. I, I, there was people that I couldn't work with. Like even if I wanted to, I couldn't really coach them one-on-one in person. So uh, the, like the virtual side of things really helped um, in, in reaching a, a higher population of people. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's powerful. It's powerful for sure.
0: No, I agree, man. I think it's, I think that has been, you know, it's hard to find things to be, optimistic about from mm. the pandemic, you know, and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But that's yeah. one of the that's one of the things that I think is a general takeaway is accessibility. Now, is it maybe to the scale that we would like where everybody can access everything? No, of course not. But I think it is better than maybe it, it would have been had we not made those adjustments, because then a lot more people would be having hardship or difficulty or, or possibly suffering because they can't get access to people because, yes, we were at different points not able to see anybody. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of those things that, you know, it's a it's a very strange way to some to look at it. But sometimes there are ways and things that you can take from horrible situations, challenging situations, difficult situations, but you just Mm got to be willing to to try a different lens. But and kind of speaking about that, when you were talking about getting depressed, and getting diagnosed from that psychiatrist, because uh, I want to make sure I go back to that. Do mm-hmm. you remember outside of just seeking out the services from the psychiatrist, did you ever try to seek out any other services from a mental health provider, either at that time or even or even in the past?
1: Uh, so honestly, no, um, I, I didn't really look too much uh, to keep it 100 with you. I was in a really deep hole. I just needed help. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And my
1: finances were tough. Um, like we're in a really rough position as well. So I just needed to make sure, like I needed to get someone that I can and, like actually pay for, but I also didn't want to settle for someone that like, didn't know what they were doing. So I, I looked for some of the top people here in the state. Um, but that also meant that my, most of my insurance wouldn't wouldn't cover it. And the, yeah. the medication wasn't covered under my insurance and stuff like that. Um, so I, I didn't actually, um, like, look around too much. Uh, I just, I, I, th- as a, as a Latino male, for me to just even find somebody was an amazing, like, <laughs> it yeah. was just, I know oh, you did it. Wow. That was awesome. Um, because I, ne- mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone around me. I didn't know anyone in my family who ever, uh, especially uh, males in my family who search for, for services. So, um, I didn't even know who to look for. I, I literally felt like I was by myself. Yeah. Um, and I I found somebody, I was like okay, they're knowledgeable, whatever. I went with them and eventually like uh I realized that that wasn't the person for me. Um and luckily um I w- I had the 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 presence of mind to uh move away from that person cuz mm. that that wasn't the person for me. <laughs> uh but like most people uh don't understand that you can look around uh and at the time like and I, even though I did know that I could look around, um, I f- I I was so confident in this doctor, and I was so uh, I was so basically blinded by the degrees and like the high rise office and all that stuff. Like I was like, oh, like yeah, they know what they're talking about and, and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but um, again, to to be vulnerable and keep it hundred, like I was given medication without even um, actually trying to solve the problem of the root. Like they were kind of just. Like it was like a coating on top of my problems. I yeah. I felt like I felt like um I, I couldn't feel my feelings. Um I I honestly felt like a robot. I felt like I was living on autopilot. Uh, but I listened. I, I followed the prescription because that's another thing that I know that a lot of old Latina family doesn't do. They don't follow prescriptions. Mm-hmm. So I'm like okay no I'm gonna do
0: I'm gonna do what he's telling me. You do what they're telling me to do.
1: Yeah, because otherwise like I, I wanted to not just say like oh like I changed my mind like I want like I listened to exactly what he told me to do. Um. I honestly felt like a little bit better, but I still didn't really, I wasn't um, anywhere close to where I wanted to be. Sure. Um, so I went back and I let him know, and I was like, hey, like, um, I did what you told me, like, what do you suggest? And he suggested I take more meds. Uh, and and it was just, uh, at that time, I realized that um, that's not what I wanted. Like I walked mm-hmm. out of there with a prescription and I immediately started looking for other, for other options. Um, and especially more holistic actions and other other ways that I can actually take care of my body and my mental yes. health without having to add um, a bunch of chemicals that, like after the research that I've done, like it's disrupting my my actual brain. Yeah. Um, so I honestly, I that was around the same time that I, I I partnered with a with a superfood company, and I was able to really get my my nutrition in, in check and get my gut health specifically in check. Like it's nothing that that's nothing that I ever done before. I never actually was intentional about caring for my gut health. Um, then I realized like two weeks into my, my nutrition program, I feel happy again. <laughs> I felt all my feelings again. Um, and I felt energized. I wasn't sleeping all day. Um, I like everything was just coming together. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. And I
1: started realizing, like, wow. So like, what if I, if I would have gotten my habits in check or even, um, cause I also was reading books. So I, I gained more coping skills um, that I could have being doing it a lot better um so uh, again this is not me saying that like hey if, if you're giving prescription meds or like meds are bad medication is bad right, right. Bad, I'm, d- don't take it that's not what i'm saying but in, in my experience that's not what i needed at the time um sure. i need to get my habits in check and i need to gain some um, knowledge from, on more coping skills um yeah. and once i had that i i haven't honestly like it's been a, a, over a year now i haven't needed any depression meds i haven't needed anything like, uh, along those lines i am looking i am currently uh looking for um a psychotherapist but uh i want to make sure that they're uh there's someone that's focused on fixing uh the issue I, I don't think i have an issue now but like um making sure that if I, if they do find something they're going for the root of, of of the issue not just trying to like paint over it basically
0: and cover right. it up. No, absolutely, man. And again, I, I appreciate you sharing that. It's yeah. We don't want to just address the symptoms. Mm. Symptoms are important, right? Sometimes yeah. to help us direct and point to maybe something else that might be going on. For those of you that have never been in therapy, mm. um, you might only know some of the experiences that you're having, like what Carlos was sharing. You might see, I am sleeping a lot or I am feeling nervous a lot. Maybe you don't even know the word anxious. You're just like, I'm just nervous a lot or I worry a lot or I'm scared a lot. So you might not know the emotional language that we may use. So the fact that, you know, you acknowledge that is great. And to your point about the medication usage, I would say as a therapist, I'm very much in favor of utilizing it as a tool, mm-hmm. not as the end all be all. Uh, for And I'm going to try to make that point again. Yes. Because, <laughs> again, this is not against people with medication. Mm-hmm. If you utilize medication, it's not a problem and it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. However, you got to understand you have to use that in conjunction with therapy. So medication is a tool, and then we add therapy with that to address the root cause, which is exactly what Carlos was just speaking on. We put those together, we can actually see real progress. We can see real change, but it takes time to work through that. For some people, I will tell you, I believe we talked, we touched on this in our initial call. Some people, depending on what they present with, what their issues may be, they might not be very emotionally stable they might be all over the place very erratic behavior we would say i can't engage in therapy with you when you're all over doing this i can't because you're not mentally stable and grounded enough to actually receive what we're Mm. going to share and you're not going to be able to be very vulnerable probably in the way that we need to in a productive way you might what we would say emotionally vomit all over me and just like let it all out
1: Mm. but that's
0: not constructive we gotta we gotta do this step by step in a very delicate way. So sometimes the medication is a method or tool to get us to stability, and then we can start engaging in therapy to start unraveling and, un- and discovering why maybe you're anxious or depressed or fearful or you know whatever those thoughts may be. So that's a way that it could work. And to further emphasize that point, unless you have a truly debilitating issue, right? Something that you, you will never be able to fully function the way that you want. Many people don't need to be medicated permanently. You might need it for a period of time to help you, again, get stability, do your work, so that you can address those core issues that caused you to reach out to the psychiatrist to get medicated in the first place. And then you can slowly taper down over time. And if you don't know those things, those are definitely things to share with your, your provider to get that understanding. For most people, they don't have severe and persistent mental illness. We go through periods of time, like adjustments, if you will.
2: Seasons. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
0: seasons where you are dealing with something, but it's not forever. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody gets depressed at times. Everybody will get anxious at times, but it's usually not a permanent thing. It's in response to something. I lost somebody that I really cared about. That's normal to feel depressed. That's normal to maybe be anxious, things like that. So we want to definitely differentiate. So we're not saying it's everybody should be medicated for everything and forever. And we're also not saying that medication is evil. It's, it's, a, it's a tool and it serves a purpose and a function. But to Carlos's point, and I think it's very important that we acknowledge that if you only have a provider that only seems to want to lean towards medication mm-hmm. and doesn't ask other important questions, which I'm definitely going to be talking about with you, what do you eat? How well do you sleep? Do you do any physical activity? Do you have social support? Never. Do you have people around you that you care about, that you can open up to, that you talk to about the things that you got going on? If all those things are in disarray, medication can't fix that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's important to understand that. So in speaking on that, I want to ask you, because I know you touched on a little bit about that's what a lot of your business has been about. That's sort mm-hmm. of that pivot that you made in the height of the pandemic and you know, realizing that working with autistic children in the clinic wasn't going to be the, the main way for you to provide for yourself. How, how did you end up finding the desire and the drive to want to build out a company and, and doing work within the nutritional sciences or within the dietary space?
1: Uh, honestly, I um, got tired of people uh, reaching out to me all the time. And asking me how are you in shape how are you healthy how are you happy how do you have energy all the time Mm -hmm. uh and me not knowing what to tell them uh or or people literally when you know when you're in psychology everyone a lot of people call up to you and kind of just blur out all the problems and stuff like that and all I could really say at the time was like oh damn that's crazy uh and like (laughs) I I knew that I I needed to do something so that I can give people a solution um, regardless of where they are so um moving into my business just made the most sense because i i knew that there's millions of latinos um and 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 people of color who need that support uh who need that exposure um and they're not getting it i know because i looked for months and months and months and i was like okay what actual options are we presented with what actual information are we seeing every day um if you're going to social media on tiktok like you're or I'm not even like, I, I don't even spend a lot of time on TikTok. I do a lot of on Instagram. But if you scroll for a good half an hour, you'll get so many bad news. You'll get um, so many different points of view. And our community tends to see, think that whatever you see on there is the truth. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, as much as I don't like, um, like, I don't really enjoy being on camera, recording myself, doing all that stuff, I knew that it was important for me to um, represent and, like, really kind of just, um, show people who look like me that, yes, I do meditate. Yes. I do yoga. Yes. The, all this stuff is necessary. Um, and most importantly, when they're, cause we're all like, they're all going to continue to scroll. Like it's not going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> if they, so it's not going anywhere. So I gotta, have yeah. to be real. I was like, if they see 20 posts and 19 of them are negative, I, I want to be that one post that actually is uplifting. That's actually like giving them solutions. that's yeah. actually adding value to their life.
0: Nice. Um,
1: so, it just makes sense for me um and as soon as i started i had so much support from even the field in applied behavior analysis i had so much support from uh, other um like black and brown people um who literally would tell me like hey i was feeling awful and i saw your post which took me 15 minutes to make uh and like they were like and he completely got me going and i went and like did better at my job or um went and started uh, meditation for the first time and -hmm. that's um what really pushed me to hey like w- even though like um i'm not a presenter or whatever like all that stuff like i need to gain those skills so that i can actually add value to my community and yeah. help our community heal because uh, we need to um, especially after the pandemic like it's there's no question like we have to we all we all have, to. <laughs> we have to big that's,
0: that's big facts you're speaking on man i i i cannot agree with you more especially the representation side. And and mm. I love what you said there. I want to go back to that about mm. the social media aspect because mm. as I told you, I'm new to this space too. Like I'm not very fluid and being in front of the camera, I felt a similar desire that you did to mm. be more of service, not just to, of course, I want to, you know, being real, I want to focus on my communities, which is the black and Latino communities, mm. but a lot of the discussion and the conversations I have are largely around men and our issues, men's mental health. But it also does impact women, because a lot of us want families, want to be married, want to be parents. And so it impacts a large breadth of the population, not just in the United States, but in the world. And so I recognize, like you did, that maybe there's more than I can do. So whatever discomfort I need to learn to get over, then I need to get over it. Yep. Because it's going to benefit more people. And That's so, nice
2: about I, us. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I agree with you, like, you know, from what I've been told, because I'm, mm. I kind of predate social media. So I'm not as maybe fluid and and utilizing it as often as other people do yeah I, di- I didn't understand the endless scrolling you know like that mm-hmm. was not like a that was a very foreign concept to me because i'm just not like that mm-hmm. i don't I can't, I can't even get on there now and just start looking but i have heard from other clients particularly my younger ones that i used to have mm-hmm. when i was very early on in my career who would say like they can't even get away from their phone uh i remember this one particular young lady i b- believe she was 12 it was like when i was in my internship when i was still in grad school i re- i remember she said this and i was just like what she was like explaining that she would uh go to sleep at night and sometimes she would go to bed late it might be like 1 12 1 a.m but she said that she would always have her ringer on and if she for whatever reason heard a tone or she saw even somehow when she was asleep felt like she saw the flash of like a notification that she would wake up and she said, I had verbatim, I had to answer it. So that was a huge awakening for me. Mm-hmm. As somebody who did not grow up with all of these things. I'm like, wow, that it's, really it's a yeah. that's really it's
1: concerning. That's really concerning that
0: you think yeah. that you should be disrupting your sleep pattern to go answer somebody. I don't care if they're answering you right now. Put mm. your phone to do not disturb, flip it down, turn it off, whatever you got to do. But you need to take better care of yourself. So it just goes to show when you're talking about people scrolling, um, sometimes maybe the content that they're seeing, and you're right, in, in today's day and age, not that everything is horrible, or there's all this bad news, it's just that we're so interconnected, you can be exposed to so much different types of information that you, we previously weren't, you know, reading the newspaper, or even in the early days of Facebook, like you weren't seeing as much as you are today, where you can be flooded by, you know, on on seemingly one platform, let alone if you utilize multiple yeah. you can just be you know drowning in it so to speak it's important to have something to counterbalance that so i love what you said that i want to be that one post that tries to give somebody hope or inspiration or encouragement to push through whatever they're dealing with i feel similarly i'm doing these these conversations and and having these discussions because i'm hoping we can benefit from it and maybe it gives us a, a sense of enlightenment or excitement that this thing that i thought that i was stuck doing this pattern of behavior i think that i'm stuck having or being like this way of thinking that i thought was my personality is not necessarily true to be able to help them help all of us challenge those type of thoughts so it's good to know that there's other brothers in the space who are also trying to do something similar
1: 100 percent. definitely and and again like to even piggyback on that on that like even giving people a little bit of clarity because like you said there's so much information out there that it's hard to like slow down and figure out hey what's true <laughs> hey, what actually works for me? Uh, What do I want? Like questions that seem really simple, but Mm -hmm. now I know, especially after working with hundreds of people, that that's not something that we're asking ourselves. It's not something that we're sitting down with a piece of paper and really writing down um, Mm -hmm. what is it that we want? Um, What is it that we're looking for? Uh, And giving people that clarity and, and exposing them to that different verbiage, exposing them to a different way of looking at the word. The oh, world, yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, I think it's really powerful because especially in, or, or like our young like um, black and brown males they spend a lot of time listening to a lot of like rap and stuff that um, uses all, all like a, a way of speaking that is not conducive to helping them like be better uh, mm. it's very destructive and it's very um, it's very it, it creates a lot of separation within our communities rather than actually reminding us that we we're one, we we're more alike than we we're different. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's
0: now that, that's a big one, and I, mm-hmm. I've definitely had my fair share of. Um, it's funny you mention that. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't actually talked about that one on camera before, but yeah. I, I have like I have a very interesting experience with like rap and hip hop. Like I like mm-hmm. to consider myself a very eclectic type of person, where I appreciate different music from various different backgrounds. But I will admit, I'm very much a hip hop head. Yeah, but but. To your point, though, I do recognize that for a lot of young people, especially, you know, because we it's when you're young, it's hard to be able to differentiate, like you said, between fact and fiction. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: What's real and what's not. What's opinion. (sighs) Right. And what's expert. Yes. Right. We got a lot of that going on right now. A lot of people. actually. actually, Let me me make that point again. Yeah. There's a lot of opinion people, people who present their opinion as fact, Mm -hmm. as overshadowing (laughs) people who are actually experts in their fields. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a real thing, and we for young people, and I get it, because when you're young, you just don't know any better. Mm-hmm. It's hard to learn to differentiate that unless somebody has actually taught you how to do that, right? But but back to the music though. Even when you talk about hip hop, so and again, I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, well versed in it. So I'll use a recent example of a body of work that I think is great because of what it provided to the community. Kendrick I love it. Lamar's last album.
1: Ooh, yep.
0: Right that was real. His his vulnerability was spot on. You could tell the brother has been going to therapy. He just laid his soul out there. And I appreciate you, man, for everything Mm -hmm. that he put out there. As compared to some of these other like maybe younger hip hop artists where I would say it's more of the facade that a lot of us are used to is like money, women, you know, items, clothes, cars, whatever it's a lifestyle, right? And I don't hate on the lifestyle. Like, do you, you know, if that's really you and you really about it, you know, do you. But for a lot of people, that's unrealistic. For a lot of people, what also comes with that can be, can be destructive if you don't understand what's really being said, right? So if you're glorifying like drug dealing or abusing women or um, committing illegal acts to make money, I'm not going to, I'm not going to co-sign that because that's not what we want. Now, there's a lot of, I will say there's a lot of guys who talk about, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. They don't do it no more. Right. I think that that's okay. Like we're allowed to grow and evolve. Sometimes we just broad brush people because they say, Oh, you did something bad. So therefore you are bad Mm -hmm. forever. You know, Mm -hmm. I I'm, especially being a therapist, I believe a bit more nuance to the, for, you know, for a strong degree. So I don't demonize all those artists who do that. Mm-hmm. But for the ones, for example, who talk about gang life and, and, again, committing these illegal acts in the present when they don't have to, that to me doesn't make sense. Because now you're influencing young people to think that that's a great way to behave, right? Or, or getting, you know, catching charges, going to jail, even after you've made it. Like mm-hmm. that just doesn't make sense. It's not a good strategy. You wouldn't tell somebody, go to school, go get a finance degree. Go work on wall street and then go and then go um go kill somebody you know like that doesn't make sense like you Mm -hmm. made it you got it out of your environment you're doing well for yourself why would you go back and compromise everything that you worked hard for literally doesn't make sense all hip-hop artists don't do that but some do Mm -hmm. and those i i would agree i think that kind of stuff we don't need to have a place for that because it doesn't help us grow and evolve as a people Uh, i don't know if you want to Adam no, I, I agree. I, I
1: myself I, I like very much like you. I I love many kinds of music. I'm bilingual, so I listen to a lot of different kinds of music. Uh, but I I would say that rap and hip hop are some of my favorite some of my favorite genres. Mm. Um, and I I grew up listening, um, like especially when I was in college, to a lot of like really hardcore rap. All of this, um, all of all of this um, all of this stuff that you think that that's just that's how they live. That that's how life really is. But mm-hmm. even if you look at like future, even Twenty One Savage and stuff like that, they like, yeah, no, I don't like do drugs like that anymore. Like, I, I they're married, they have kids. Like, they yeah. Um, many people don't understand that, like, hey, they're they're not saying that this is the life they live. They're just show, sharing with you a story about the stuff that they've gone through. Um, mm-hmm. Many of them might even have moved past that. Uh, right. that. Doesn't mean that like they're still doing it, and especially doesn't mean that you should be doing it uh, to get to where you want to be. Uh, that doesn't mean that that's like um, a a rite of passage that like, hey, okay, so I got to sell drugs, um, do this, do all that stuff to get to like, the point of being uh, financially stable, financially wealthy, having um, freedom of time and stuff like that. I can tell you that Mm -hmm. because um, now I have my own business, and I didn't have to do all of that stuff. Uh, And it's, 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 um, it's important for us to get that clarity. Uh, especially, oh, yeah. even if even if you listen to the Kendrick Lamar album that he dropped, like if you don't understand that he's literally just speaking on his own story,
2: mm-hmm. not, he's
1: not telling you how to live life. Um, you can you can have you can have very different outcomes, and you could absolutely end up behaving in very different ways. Absolutely, um, and it and it's important to remember what he says uh, that we um, that that he's just sharing his story. He is just telling his truth. Mm -hmm. that's it um and and what worked for him doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for us like it's important for us to know that
0: no Mm -hmm. absolutely and the reason why i brought his up is because Mm -hmm. that's very much the essence of what i'm doing here well what i do as a professional but also what i'm doing with these conversations is being able to be open and honest and be real about what we go through um even going back to what you said earlier about social media not the highlight reel we're talking about the real So that means the highs and lows, the middles, you know, not not the everything was successful and I just I made it where I wanted to be. No, it was the moments where things weren't great and the moments where I experienced loss and I didn't know where I was going to pay for this bill. And I had to I had to figure it out. Right. It's being able to, to acknowledge the journey, but also as we're as we're sharing the success, acknowledging all steps in that process and in that journey, because for a lot of us, that is what we will go through. Right, like yeah. we, we, life does not go in a straight line. I love because that some, you. Br- I, yeah, I, lo- I
1: love that you bring that up because that's that's why I I don't have an issue being vulnerable, um, now, but for a while I had there was a lot of shame in my I had a lot of shame in my own journey, um, especially like before me knowing that I was from the hood, I, there was no shame, but once I, I I actually started like um hanging out with people who didn't have the struggles that I had, um, I started realizing like oh like like, Oh, this is not normal. Like I started telling myself at least like, it's not normal. Like yeah. I had, there was a lot of suffering and stuff like that. And, and it, there was a lot of shame in my own story uh, and a lot of shame for, of where I come from uh, and the things that I, that I've gone through to get to where I am today. Yeah. Um, I felt like I, I had this mask basically um, where uh, I would just tell a story, but not really be open enough to tell my true story. Um, and now i like I I embrace my journey because I think that's where true healing happens yeah. um and it's important for and, and and it's important for us latino men and and black men um and uh, we're both uh so it's oh, it's, yeah. it's it's important it's important <laughs> for us to like um speak to people and sp- and tell people about um our truth um and and this is something that I also learned um as I as I worked on my healing um make sure that you like if you're not comfortable yet with sharing your story and sharing your journey, I'm not saying to do what we're doing and just go social media and share with everybody because there's people mm-hmm. that are not going to understand where you're coming from, right. It's important for you to find someone, people that are going to support you and, and, and listen to you without judgment. Um, yes. Because I personally been hurt a lot when I shared my story with people that didn't understand, um, and added, um, like labels and they, all this stuff, um, and, and it hurt for a while.
0: But now mm-hmm. I know,
1: um, yes, it's important for you to share. Uh, and if you don't have anyone in your life, you don't have a friend or a family, that's the, the that's a, a perfect time for you to go to therapy. Like that's the perfect time. So you can find someone who's who will listen to you without judgment and be completely objective and keep it real with you. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's, that's really important. Um, and, and, and just to go back a little bit on what we talked about, um, therapy as well, it's important for us to know that like, Right now, I'm happy. Uh, I feel free. I feel amazing. I have an amazing support system, and I'm still looking for a therapist. Like this, the, the, it, don't go to therapy when you're down. Don't wait till you're down <laughs> to go to therapy. Um, that's true. something that's like very common in our, com- in our in our communities. That like, hey, okay, um, <laughs> like, I going to wait till I, I'm feeling better now. I'm gonna no. If you're feeling better, then that's a perfect time for you to go. Absolutely. Um, and really, um, basically, uh, on bots, uh, uh, literally all of that stuff, like clear out that closet and like really, um, go in, go in there deep with someone that's going to support you and not judge you. Um, it's, 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 powerful and it's necessary. And in our community, many other times when, when you do try to talk to someone, they immediately go to, um, judging you, even calling your names or, um, doing things that are not going to help you, um, do that again. Because if you're yeah. punished when you, when you open up, then, behaviorally as someone who has a degree in behavior if you're punished that's going to decrease the likelihood that you're gonna do that again to keep open again
0: absolutely um, absolutely I, man so many facts you just said so many facts you just said <laughs> I, I gotta hit on the last part because I, I pretty much yes. always make this point because you just made it so I gotta I gotta <laughs> echo it especially for men right man mm-hmm. young men I make the case and is my belief that it starts when we're very very small. That we are systematically conditioned as young people, mm. as young males, from when we're very young to not be expressive, to not be vulnerable. Because there's all these expressions that we know that people say to us when we try to be. Mm. They say, don't be a girl. Don't be a woman. Stop being so emotional. Stop don't crying. Weak. Suck mm-hmm. it up. Don't be mm-hmm. weak. Right? It's all, And there's more. Mm. Those are the first ones that come to mind. Yeah. There's so many of those expressions we hear, right? And I really want to make this point. you brought it up, and uh, it always touches something in me every time we I have to talk about this, because it's so hard. It's so hard, even me, I've had to go through so much therapy myself because of what you're talking about. Mm. to give the, to give the example, I grew up in a household with primarily my mother my father and my sister. Then my mother passed away from cancer when I was very young, when I was seven. So then it was just me, my older sister and my dad. He was a very traditional man. He did not come from an environment where his family was very expressive with him. He also had several siblings in the same household. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it was hard just to get attention. But regardless, he did not create a space for me and my older sister to be open and honest. Mm -hmm. And anytime I did, he told me to suck it up and very much belittled and minimized me all the time. So that's a huge reason why it was so hard for me for so long. To be real. I would try to be a really good student. Mm-hmm. So people wouldn't look deeper underneath the surface, because I didn't want to draw attention because my father was always like, you know, you keep that stuff to yourself. You don't tell anybody. Right? It's all these messages that we hear throughout our lifetime. And then I have to hear young men tell me some of the same things that Mm. I heard, and I'm way older than them. And it hurts. It really hurts to see them struggle in that way. Because I don't want to see more young men hurt the way that I do and Mm. have. Because it's so much harder. It impacts so many relationships that you have. I'll give another example. Because I talk about this as well. I'm a father. So parenting my young son it could be more challenging. Thankfully, I, because of the work I do, I'm forced to really challenge myself all the time. Um, it would be very difficult to make sure that I'm creating this space for him to be vulnerable, not just with me, but with everybody, to not minimize him just because it was done to me, make sure I don't pass that on. I don't pass that generational trauma onto him where he's now going to struggle with every break, relationship that he that has moving forward. Correct. So I have to, I have to be better, we have to be better. So the next generation doesn't have to suffer. But to bring all that back to the point of what we were talking about, it's hard because it's not just one person you have to fix or change their perspective. It's really a society. And when I say society, I don't even mean just the United States. Mm -hmm. I mean, globally, globally, this is how a lot of us as men are raised. And our fathers don't give us the space, or create the space, I would say, for us to be vulnerable usually those are like relationships you expect to have with your mother and with your father it's just tough pat you on the back mm-hmm. you know caveman type stuff and i think we can be so much more and i, I challenge all of us in mm-hmm. all seriousness i challenge all of us to do the work necessary so that we can be better for the next generation so they don't have to deal with a lot of the challenges that we have to
1: uh, and, and i and i want to piggyback on, on what you're saying i'm doing the work because um, what many of us don't even know what doing the work looks like, but yeah. if you don't know, if you don't know anything about psychology, if you've never been to therapy, if you don't, or if you you don't have supportive uh, uh, family, feel your feelings, Yep. feel your feelings. Um, that it, many, a lot of people in our communities tend to hide their feelings, bottle them up, literally whether, whether it's alcohol, um, smoking, uh, whether it is, watching like now like people don't understand that they're doing that just to binging netflix for days and days on end because they they're not allowing themselves to sit with their thoughts mm-hmm. and really dive deep into them and and, and i like, really feel your feelings and yeah. i and i and i emphasize the, the fact of feeling your feelings because it's going to suck like it's when yes, you it first start doing the work like there's going to be tears it, it's going it, to it hurts again because you're experiencing like in your mind you're experiencing that situation again mm-hmm. But until you are able to like work on detaching yourself from from that and understanding that that's not who you are, that's not your identity, you're you're not going to be able to heal properly. You're not going to be able to actually get through the um, through those hard times. Um, yeah. And what, what ends up happening is that you bring that to the ne- to to the, to the next person that you interact with. You bring yes. that to uh, you bring that to um, your family, your friends, your relationships, and and that. Can cause a lot of pain in our communities, in our families. Mm-hmm. So I love that you use the word challenge because it is a challenge. But yeah. I I also challenge you to go ahead, do the work, feel your feelings because nobody else is going to feel them for you. Absolutely. That literally.
0: No, I, no, you're you're spot on. And yeah. I would say one way that you could do that if you don't mm-hmm. have access to a therapist because this is something I did like way, way back when, even though I I value it much more now, but I didn't really appreciate it as much at the time is journal. Yeah. And when I say journal, you can do it in the traditional sense of uh, I do it in a notebook, Um, you Um, can do it, you know, we have technology. So like I've done it where I do like the, I talk to my phone, let it um, record the text for me. You could, if you really want to, you're really cool. You can video record yourself, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever. You can do all these different ways to capture your thoughts and the memories at that time and i think it's important to carlos's point because you want to be able to capture how you felt at that moment in time so that you are able to recall it Mm -hmm. so let's say you can't deal with it at that time right because maybe it's inconvenient maybe you know there's family around whatever but if i capture it i can go back at a later time where i feel a little more comfortable i create this space where i can be vulnerable now I'm gonna go. Through, I'm gonna replay that, or I'm gonna reread what mm-hmm. I said, and now I'm gonna sit with it. Maybe I even meditate on it if I really want to go deep. Yeah. But I'm I, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit on it because I need to understand why I felt hurt, why I felt sad, why um, this person isn't communicating with me, whatever the issues may be. That's something that you can do, even when you don't have anybody else around. We do have a way to record this information because number one, it helps you externalize how you're feeling. So it's not just going on in your own mind anymore, mm-hmm. but then you can go back to it. Maybe when you're in a calmer place and go through and actually process them. And because that will be vital for any type of relationship you want to have in the future.
1: I, and I think, it. I think it's awesome that you brought up journaling. Cause I, myself, like I would spend hundreds of dollars on shoes. I would do trips and everything like that. And like, I, I bought, I bought myself like, super fancy $20 journal on Amazon. So I was like, I'm going to invest in myself. This was the was, This was one of the first investments that I made on myself. Yeah. Something that I learned through journaling as well is that when you write it down, then you're able to like detach yourself from it. Understand yeah. that that's not who you are. That's something that you've been through. Right. That's something that you felt, but that's not who you are. You are love. You are expansion. You are way more than just um, those feelings that are just honestly reactions to the, uh, of your brain, to the environment, uh, it, mm-hmm. most of the time, um, yeah. that, that's really not who you are. Um, and yes. And I know, I get it. It's a physical, uh, emotions are very physical. Like you feel them in your body. So oh, yeah. it's hard. It's hard for you to be like, wow, well, how is that not me? I feel this way, but that that's not you. Uh, you are the, 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 the servant part of your brain that the, the one that can observe those feelings that's you and you don't have to act up uh, on them you can just observe them and let them be and that's yeah. the beauty of writing them down because you can observe it and be like oh that's what i'm thinking and like you can make and then from there you can pivot and make a change absolutely
0: um, no that's that that's so important and i I like i like the way you put that together too yeah. when i say externalizing that is exactly what i mean it helps you yeah. separate them from yourself so that usually we we call it rumination when you are feeling something like let's say you're sad, like, we'll use a common example. So master. At you, that. <laughs> yeah, you break you break up with somebody or somebody broke up with you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're naturally you're sad about it. Mm-hmm. So it's natural that the thoughts are going to be very proliferate or proliferating proliferating in your mind where they're going on repeat and loop all the time. Right? So how do I help with that? Well, externalizing them helps me detach them through journaling through a process like journaling. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm not capturing them. I'm capturing how I felt. I felt really bad on this day because I missed this person. Yeah. Right. You can make it something simple like that. Mm-hmm. So I have that there. So when I'm ready, I can also come back to that. I can not only see it and then process it in that time. This is how I'm feeling. What would I want to be different moving forward? Another way to benefit from that is now that I'm not thinking about it all the time, I can also, as more time progresses, and I keep doing that process, these are kind of like little timestamps, if you will, where I can see moments of growth. Man, I remember about three weeks ago, I didn't even want to get out of the bed. Man, look at my journal. Look what I said. And now it's been like a couple months. I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Still not great, but I feel a little bit better than I did before. Then you could take it a step further. If you get a therapist, it is a very great tool for us to use because – the best way for me to understand how you feel is for you to express it. I can't read your mind. I don't know what you're thinking. But when you have, you so on July 25th, this, this, and this happened, and this is how it made me feel, right? OK, now we can actually go through and start to digest what it might really mean. Then we can actually start to connect dots that you may not be able to see, but that I might be able to see because of the information that you provide. Mm-hmm. So it's a great, great tool to really capture what you're experiencing. So again, if you can't find a therapist for whatever Mm -hmm. particular reason at that time, that's okay. You could utilize a tool like journaling, in the meantime, to at least capture those thoughts and help you to separate how you're feeling. I think that's a great way just to get started. And then of course, another little tidbit back to what Carlos was doing is try to maybe consider surrounding yourself with more positive and uplifting content. So if you have somebody like Carlos who's posting something that gives you a little inspiration for the day, maybe I need to focus on trying to consume that type of information, as opposed to things that make me feel inadequate, or invalid, Mm -hmm. or minimized or less than or whatever other negative feeling might come up for you. I think that can be helpful ways because we have so much of this uh, social media platforms available, that might be sort of like a starter way. To get support until so you can get some real people there to actually you know engage with.
1: Definitely, and I and I think um, again to, to like piggyback on what you're saying, it something that I, that it's important to realize, and this is a, a quote that I live by. Super simple three words: progress over or, or perfection. Um, mm-hmm. Remember that, like like um, like RJ said, like regardless of where you are, um, there's gonna be times where you're like, okay, I'm not where I want to be. But you can you can look back and you're like, okay, but I made progress mm-hmm. and and once we made that our goal rather than making perfection perfection our goal, then you can actually continue that on that path and and yeah. not get discouraged because there's gonna be times that you're like I'm still dealing with this stuff and and then you you might even have those thoughts uh, within yourself that are gonna mm-hmm. just literally um, disrupt your whole um, healing process and, and, and that's not what we want no, uh, we wanna, that's not what we want at all. Um, especially with social media, like, like, like I saying, like, there's so much comparison that you're like, look at them, they're doing this and doing that. And that's really not helping you get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, I personally, what I did, uh, you don't have to do this cause it does take some time, but you, I went through my fo- the people that I was following and I just started unfollowing people that weren't serving me. Um, not as a way to not, and not out of, out of hate or out of like any, out of love for myself. Mm-hmm. Out of love for my own attention and my time, which is the most valuable asset that we have, yes. Uh, so I literally went through all thousand people that I were following, and I only followed like two hundred people that I I I felt weren't really helping me um, be my full self. There you um, go,
0: absolutely. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, and I, even cool even stuff. to add to add to that last point, I think you know thinking about where you give your attention to, that's what I meant about mm-hmm. what you consume you know, because I have clients that struggle in that area, they Mm -hmm. are very caring, loving people who want to really benefit a lot of people of society. But because they consume so much information that's happening in the world, it can be overwhelming to the point that it may make you cynical, apathetic, maybe a nihilist, where you just think like, nothing really matters anymore, everything sucks. Why even bother trying? And I make the point, I try (laughs) to make the point, that especially as black and brown people, we cannot afford that attitude. Like we just can't, because we've already had so much to overcome and so much to deal with. And there's still much more work to be done that it doesn't diminish to say that these things are not really happening. You know, We're not living in some fairy tale, like, oh yeah, bad things don't happen. They do. Mm -hmm. But the question is, how much of that maybe can I be exposed to before I recognize that I'm getting to the point of being overwhelmed and I need to pause there and make sure that I'm good. Because I still wanna be of service. I still wanna be of value. I still want to add to other people, pour into other people, so to speak. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, I have to be extremely mindful of how much information I'm consuming online and what type of information am I consuming? Because if a lot of it turns out to be negative, don't be surprised your attitude towards life is negative. Like it's, it's very simple, but-
1: You read what you saw. <laughs> right,
0: exactly. If you see all this information around you, you can't be shocked that you're like, man, a lot of things I'm quoting are negative. And a lot of the things I'm pointing out are, are hard things that are happening in the world. At no point do we say those things aren't mattered. They don't matter and we should do nothing. Absolutely not. But what I also got to understand is I have a finite amount of emotional capacity. That I can afford. Usually, I would say every day. Sometimes we do that. We do a, a teacup uh, metaphor because you only have so much that you can tolerate, and it's going to build up. Your cup's going to fill up, and once it's full, it's full. And if you keep trying to pour more in there, now you're getting to the point of being overwhelmed because you, you're giving, you're taking more than what you have the ability to truly um, process and deal with. So then, if that happens over a period of time. It's going to be very difficult for you to then want to get out of the bed, to be motivated, to do anything that you used to do that brought you joy or happiness. Mm -hmm. And that can put you on a dark path, you know, that we don't want to see people go to. So I think it's just it's very important to acknowledge and understand the way that these different platforms that we use, the different media that we consume, how it can play on our minds and on our hearts. And recognize, hey, if I'm doing a lot of that, if I'm consuming a lot of that, and it's tending to make my view of the world, it seems like it's kind of dark right now. Maybe I need to consider, as you pointed out, Carlos, maybe I need to unfollow some people. Maybe I need to not look at so many of these articles or consume this many videos talking about these issues that just make me feel really, really down. You know what I mean? 100%.
1: 100%. But it, it, it it's it's all about being more intentional with our time and our and our attention. Um, there's all these corporations who are spending billions of dollars to get your time and attention. Yeah. Um, so it's important for us to be intentional about about what we're allowing in um, into our um, teacup, what are we allowing yes. into our into our day. Um, it's 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 really necessary. It, it's also important to remember that we're living in a completely different uh, time now. Uh, that a hundred years ago it was not a thing uh 50 mm-hmm. years ago wasn't a thing uh in a day now we can it be, we can be exposed to more negativity and pain and suffering and hurt than someone uh 50 100 years ago would be exposed in their entire lives right um because especially if you're um an empath and, and you and you and you love people like like we do it, it's hard for you to detach yourself from from all that suffering
0: oh yeah um, oh, absolutely
1: it's it's yeah, it's, it's necessary for us to be intentional and remember, like, hey, you you only have a certain amount of time and energy in, in your day. Um, again, I mean, we're not saying to like avoid or anything, everything that's bad, like, or or everything that's like bad news. Like, definitely, if you feel like you need to be aware of stuff that's happening in the world, right? Do it, but be intentional with it. Like, even dedicate time for it, and like make sure that it's not your entire day. Correct. Um, social media can one hundred percent make that happen. Without you, uh, you trying like you don't. Oh have yeah, to try. <laughs> you don't
0: have no, to try. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're just kind of going and going and going. You don't even recognize. You know, you haven't even disconnected yet. Mm-hmm. You just you're on the whole time, and you know, I just I've I've had to have some clients where we've had to have those discussions, and I'm saying, you know, we need to limit your time because mm-hmm. I don't know how much of it you're spending so far, but it seems like it's too much. Because if this is your sort of attitude especially if I know based on what you told me you are a very caring person. That's not a good sign. That means mm-hmm. like you're you've been so overwhelmed that your whole perspective on life is changing that does, you know, that's not a good sign for somebody who wants to create so much positive change and impact for yeah. the world.
1: And, and, and there's this quote that really helped me because uh, I, I myself I'm very much a giver. I'm very much someone who, who tends to um, give I used to give too much of myself for lack of better words, but there, there's this quote that really helped me. Um, I, I don't I'm pretty sure it's not her quote, but Oprah spoke on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it basically, you know, it goes, it goes about it talks about like us being a cup, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the importance of us um, not literally just pouring our cup on everybody, because that's kind of what I felt when I was like, working at the clinic, I was like, Okay, here's a little bit for for the kids There's a little bit for the parents There's a little bit for my clients There's a little bit for um for um, my partner, like it was it was a little bit of, I was giving so much that I had like I was an empty cup, but the problem with that is that when when your cup is empty, you start feeling like people are taken away from you. You start mm-hmm. feeling like, um, you start feeling resentment to a lot of the people that you love because you feel like they're taken away from you. Mm-hmm. What um Oprah suggests is to fill your cup to the point that it's overflowing, so that when you give, or even people take without uh, you giving, you don't even notice it. Like you're like, Oh, oh." cool. and honestly, when I made that switch, like it really helped me um, not like be a little bit, not necessarily selfish, but care, um, love myself a little bit more and make sure that I fill my cup first before I do anything else.
0: Agreed. Um, No, I, I like that. I was actually gonna, I was gonna add the only thing I would add to that. Yes. 'Cause I like I like the I love the example. The way I would the way I would describe it would be so you have your own cup and mm-hmm. then everybody else has one too. Anybody else mm-hmm. that you care about or any cause or issue, right? Your emotional capacity is a separate cup. So you pour into your cup first. Then you can go into other people and you can whatever or, or, or issues, then you can pour into those areas. The point is you took care of self first mm-hmm. before you do anything else. And I always try to make that point. Because that's what helps you to fight that feeling where nothing matters nothing, you know, you don't care about anything and or you feel um, sort of dispassionate and feel like people are going to take advantage of you all the time. If I'm taking care of myself, it helps me sort of insulate things where I'm less likely to be taken advantage of because I'm very aware of the things that I need to address. And I'm making sure I'm doing them, which is why I poured into my cup first. Nope. But if I'm pouring into everybody else, as Carlos said, then nobody's left to uh, help take care of me and I have nothing left in my cup to pour back into myself. That is an unsustainable model. That's a great way to do this, where you just you start off here, and you just mm. go down. And that's how, gonna, it, that's how I
1: down. got burnt out, by the way. That's how Correct. it happened. That's
0: exactly why we talk about burnout because that okay. exists in every profession too. Yep. If you care about people, and you care about helping others, none of that is bad. None of that is bad. Amazing. But if you don't make sure, and I, I will say this last little soapbox point, if you don't make sure that you're your first priority, always, you should expect over time that you're going to have that sort of inverted line of where I don't take good care of myself. I'm just going down this line because that means I'm so used to giving to everyone else first. And maybe that's because it make it makes me feel the joy to be supportive, right? I enjoy that as well. I love being of service. Mm -hmm. But I also understand I have to also be an example. I cannot do that if I'm constantly giving to you and you and you and everybody else, and there's nobody left to look out for me. So we always have to look out for us first.
1: This 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 conversation is is on fire. By the way, um, I'm, I, I I I can see how powerful this is because um, even for myself, if I were to listen to this um, a couple of years ago, the, um, conversations like this where um you can hear other people of color other male of, of color actually being vulnerable and doing and it during in a space that's non-judgmental in a space that's yeah. focused on growth and love um it's powerful uh it's powerful and this is and and this is why i was so excited to to this call with you because i knew that um just by having these conversations and like really sitting down with each other and um and and basically being there for each other like Dropping game, like giving game to each other. Like that's, that's what it's all about. That's oh, yeah. what we're here for.
0: Absolutely, like, man. It, no, I, mean, it, it, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any purpose to me. There's no purpose in achieving accolades, wisdom, experience, technical skills, knowledge. If you don't share it, Like, there's no point. Like it's cool. If you have it, I mean, I, I mean, guess. Um, If you really want to be selfish in the negative connotation, by the way, when I said selfish, I was saying in a positive connotation, That means you give to self first, Mm -hmm. that's actually not a that's not a bad thing to do. Mm -hmm. But if I only care about myself, I would call that more of an egocentric point of view, I only care about me and and the way things affect me. I don't support that. I think to me, the point is, you gather all that, right, especially Mm -hmm. if you're talking to us we don't have a lot of professionals in these fields or we don't have a lot of representation in these other different career paths because we don't even see them so we don't even imagine that we could do them Mm
1: -hmm. it's
0: so important for us to give that freely so you may not be able to access a mentor very quickly you may not have people in your family that went to college I was first time in college for my family you might you might have these experiences and recognize you know what I should share this because somebody might benefit from this. They might say, hey, I didn't know if I could start my own business focusing on health and wellness or focusing on diet and nutrition or personal training or coaching or being a therapist or whatever other fields you, know, you may come from. I think it's important for us to expose ourselves to that information. So those of us that have a lot of this experience and this knowledge, we should feel some sort of duty to share it, to give the game to the young ones who are coming up so that they can understand that there's more that's possible than what they see in their immediate environment that's 100%. that's just how i feel so 100 it comes up for me a lot i i no, i love it no
1: same i i'm glad you said it that's why i didn't even add anything i'm like yep exactly what you said yep <laughs> i'm like yeah i couldn't face it better myself that's exactly facts thank that's you exactly thank facts. you mm-hmm.
0: all right so and speaking, man, we've, we've touched on a lot of things so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I appreciate the way the conversation is going. Sure. I'm going to get a little bit more into the weeds, so to speak, on relationships. Because uh, I, I try to talk about that a little bit more for those of us, as, you know, as much as we're comfortable with sharing in a public space. And how our experiences we may have had so far in life may have impacted the way we have operated in our romantic relationships or relationships with others and how we might see it impacting us moving forward, what work that we might need to do to impact that. So I wanted to ask you, do you think in your experience, have you had to go through any particular challenges in your personal life and dating that have impacted the way you see things now and maybe any work that you think you need to do moving forward?
1: Definitely, Um, I would. um, the first word that comes to mind is responsibility. Um, and, and to, to be more specific about, uh, on that, um, responsibility about our actions and, and our words and like how we approach different things. Mm-hmm. And, and by that, I mean, I am a, I am now, um, a really strong believer that, um, you are responsible for the person that's listening to you to understand what you're saying. Um, if you communicate, if you're communicating with someone, and they don't understand what you're saying, that's not their fault. It's your responsibility to make sure that you speak to them in a way that actually, that they can um, take in, they can understand. Um, And that doesn't mean like you keep like driving the same point over and over again, change the way you say things. um, Or even if you feel like a conversation is not going in in a positive positive way, step away for a little bit. like figure out a different way to say it, and then come back um, and have a, a more productive conversation. Beautiful. When you're uh, when you're upset, when you're angry, when, if you're yelling, you're not communicating. Um, there's there's you're saying things, and the other person's saying things back. Right. But you're not listening to each other. Um, mm-hmm. I was blessed um, enough to be um, in a relationship for about four years. Um, actually, we, uh, we ended a few months ago. But um, one of the beautiful things that I learned in, in that in that um, relationship is that I had this idea that, you know, couples fight, couples argue, couple yell, couples yell at each other. But when we first came into a relationship, one of the things that we, we spoke about is that we will never do that. And luckily we never did in the entire time that we were together. Whenever yes, we whenever we felt that uh, someone's being frustrated, someone's getting agitated, okay, let's take a step back. Let's do a little bit of reading let, and, and then we'll come back to this on another time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I feel like that was very, very helpful. But I also know that I have personally witnessed many relationships, especially in the black and brown community, where that where it's standard for you, to like fight and argue. Yeah. Um, but when you feel that you're when you feel again, back to a responsibility, that you're getting agitated, that your point is not being understood, take a step back and figure out a different way to say it, even, or take a step back, go meditate, do some breath work, whatever you need to do. To get yourself back to uh, to baseline and to calm, mm-hmm. uh, go do that. Um, but that's definitely something that I've learned, um, and I've had the pleasure to like experience myself um, to know that it is possible, to know that you can do it, um, yes. and that and and that we need to do it as a, as a community, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, man. Thank you, thank you so much for for putting that out there. And I I want to echo everything you just said. Mm. To me communication is the primary issue i usually see when it comes to relationships of any kind not just romantic like parent to child uh friends and romantic it it usually comes down to communication not being understood feeling like you're not being heard and i love what you said i would describe that under the the umbrella of a pause skill it's understanding your limits right Mm -hmm. understanding that when i'm getting upset i should probably not continue to keep engaging because I understand that I'm getting to my breaking point. And if I keep going, I might start saying things I don't mean, behaving in ways that I have to later go back and apologize for. Mm-hmm. And it's better to just avoid all that. And you so you know take, what?
1: You can't take it back. <laughs> right.
0: Let me, let me just take a moment, collect myself. Maybe it's, a, you know, maybe it's a few minutes. Maybe it's an hour. Doing something that's going to help me to decompress for a period of time. Realize that this person is not understanding where I'm coming from. And I, like you said, I need to find another way to engage with them. And be thoughtful. Because mm-hmm. I agree so much. The, the worst thing we can do in any relationship type is to withhold information. Mm-hmm. You want to be honest about how you're feeling. You We want to create these spaces where we can speak freely to each other. But it's also important that we, uh, as each individual, like you mentioned, feel the level of, I would say, duty and responsibility to each other to be transparent about whatever it is that we got going on. That to me is how we help prevent issues from occurring or from them getting out of hand in a Mm -hmm. way that they don't have to. We don't have to yell. We don't got to scream. Nobody got their hands. Nothing Mm -hmm. like that. None of those things have to be normalized. None of them. But it requires a certain level of intentionality. I have Mm -hmm. to be able to say, you know what? And again, this is, uh, I'll I'll use myself. Like If if I was talking to my son or talking Mm -hmm. to a partner or talking to my sibling, I care about you enough that I don't want to say things that I don't mean. I'm mm. getting quite upset right now. Let me take let me take a moment cuz I don't want things to get out of hand. That to me would be the responsible way to approach it because at the end of the day when we have relationships with people, right? I would like to be able to say, I think this is fairly universal that we want to be understood by them. Mm. Would you agree with that statement, Carlos? 100%. Okay. 100%. So If I know I want to be understood, then that means I need to really take my time and be thoughtful about how I choose to express myself. Because my intention is not to hurt you. It's not to deceive you, lie to you, be insulting, anything like that. It's just because I want you to understand how I see things and how I feel. And I want to make sure that I'm doing the same to create the environment that you want to do the same with me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: that would be healthy communication. It doesn't mean it's always that smooth. It's not going to be exactly the way I said it. I'm talking about the essence, the overarching theme. If, if we're going to communicate, that would be the way I would hope that we would all want to do it. Because if we're all being understood, there's really no reason to argue. Mm-hmm. There's really no reason to fight because I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. Let's figure out how we can find compromise and collaborate so that we can continue to move forward. Right? 100%. I, I think that that's important. And that to me is the crux of what I seen a lot of the work I've done with clients, and in my personal life that I've had to mm-hmm. recognize that I need somebody who is always going to be willing to give me that in return, because that's what I'm going to bring. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all need. As the foundation, as you talked about, yep. to have those types of relationships moving forward, where it's not hostile, it's not tense. And then going back to why Carlos and I are here to help men be more comfortable with being vulnerable. Yep. Right. So we're here.
1: and I and I and I and I want to piggyback on, on something that you said because I, I think it's important to highlight because it's easy to miss. But intention. Intention is everything. Before like when whenever you go into if you're having a hard conversation or you're going into a, to talk to someone uh, that you care about
2: mm.
1: ask yourself what's my intention for having this conversation because that's going to give you clarity as to what like what you what the outcome uh, and also give you flexibility as to yeah. like what the outcome can be start with that intention it's really important to realize like and ask yourself like what why am i having this conversation
2: mm-hmm. if you
1: if you're if your intention is to make sure that say that to know that you're right you should probably take a step back right? if you're and and that's that's really important, like intention really can dictate how a conversation flows um, and how much you actually can open up and, and be your true self and how much how vulnerable you can be. Um, oh, yeah. No. And you can even say it out loud. Honestly, I I would go into conversation and, and let people know. So this is my intention for this conversation. I think it's yep. important that way everyone understands why we're doing
0: this. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely mm-hmm. setting that you're setting the tone, essentially, right. So people know, exactly. like, if um, I usually give the example, like, you know, most men don't want to hear the expression, we need to talk. <laughs> right? I mean, it that can lot. go both ways too. women may not want to hear that either. Because you know, it has that sort of under implicit understanding that this is going to probably be an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, right. But we don't go we don't often take the time and say, you know what, so today is the first right. So on August first on Monday, Uh, I'm going to set some some time to the side, we're going to have a conversation about being understood. Because I feel like some of the conversations we've been having recently, it doesn't seem like you're really grasping what I'm saying. And it seems like I'm not grasping what you're saying. So I want us to set aside some time and make sure we're really getting on the same page. Let's figure out where the disconnect is. It'll work for you. Okay, cool. And then we're being intentional with that time. So that way we both know, hey, maybe I'm going to come prepare with some notes. So I'm going to say, well, this is where I feel like I was misunderstood. And then maybe this is why I felt like you, I misunderstood you and vice mm-hmm. versa. Productive dialogue. Like we're, we're setting our intentions and it's easier to follow along because you're not, a lot of times I've seen that people feel blindsided and it's not a fun feeling to feel like you're sort of being caught off guard with some conversations, some topics, maybe some past experiences that you may have thought weren't issues and then they just kind of come up. Maybe it's multiple in a row. Maybe you get like hit with a list of items and you're not prepared to discuss them because you didn't know that they were a problem. And I think that it's important to, again, setting the intention, let each other know, hey, we're going to have this time set to the side and we're really going to be intentional about discussing, you know, point by point, not all of them at once. Let's Mm -hmm. go through this point, make sure on the same page and then move to the next one and then to the next one. I think it's important to have that sort of systematic way of dealing with each other in terms of communication. So that way we're ultimately resolving more issues than we're just pointing out
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: having to kind of kick the can down the road and deal with it at a later time.
1: Exactly. It, it, I just, it, honestly, like by doing that, you just like literally potting up issue on top of issue. And then like you, when you look um, out, like when you take a step back from the relationship, you start looking, it's like, Oh, this is all issues. Like it's all problems. and And that's not what we want. That's not what we want. No. we want. We want to make sure that our conversations are solution oriented and, 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 and focus on, on making progress. more than oh, anything
0: yeah. Ab- Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it is just to be heard. Sometimes you're having mm-hmm. conversations with no particular agenda in mind. You're just like, I just need to be able to vent and share. It's just totally fine. But when mm-hmm. you're talking about uh, problem solving, yeah. as we were talking about, yeah, you got to come in with some sort of a playbook of how you're going to try to manage uh, each other in terms of being able to communicate effectively. I think that's very important. And, um, you know, to your point about in romantic relationships, I think it can be particularly challenging. And I want to make this one point, because I feel like this comes up a lot based on what I've seen and what I've lived through, is the idea that if we don't have a healthy type of communication, where we exchange our thoughts freely and openly, that we leave each other to largely assume what the other person Mm. is thinking. And unfortunately, that can lead us to develop feelings about that person that may or may not actually be based on accurate information, which Mm -hmm. then may lead to behaviors that we end up displaying and demonstrating that are again, not based on accurate feelings, which was also not based on accurate information. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a big advocate to make sure that we're being very clear with each other and as open and as honest as we can be as often as possible. So we're decreasing the likelihood as much as possible that we don't have to be trying to fill in the gaps with what we think this person is thinking, what we think this person is feeling, because it's really not fair. At no point in time in this discussion did I ever think I know what Carlos is about to say. I know this is how Carlos feels because he's black and brown like me, right? So he must he must be saying these things from this lens, From this perspective no that would be my implicit bias doing all that talking yeah oh well we got to be similar so you know i'm sure a lot of the stuff we've lived blah 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 carlos rj it's the same thing just swap the name out no we're two different people there's some shared lived experience sure but there's also a lot of variation none of us are monoliths from these communities that we come from but there is some common understanding that we can at times have but regardless we don't want to be assuming what each other thinks and feels, because that is really unfair to the other Mm -hmm. person. You want to listen to them. Listen to them. Take the time to sit across from them and ask them the questions with intention and allow them to thoughtfully respond. And then you thoughtfully respond. Don't just jump and say, man, while Carlos is talking, man, I got about five things I'm ready to hit him with. That's not that's not listening.
2: Mm-mm. That's
0: just waiting to respond. And I'm doing it in a very reactionary type of way. Notice I said respond, I didn't mm-hmm. say react. If I'm reacting, I'm not even really digesting what Carlos said. I'm just <laughs> going to hit him with it. Boom, I'm going to hit him with it. Instead of, what did this man just say to me? Maybe if I took the time to really digest that and really understand where the man's coming from we can find points to connect on, to understand, to compromise on. And so I've, I've been trying to make it a very, very big point of this platform and, and both in my personal and professional life to really advocate that we take much more time to listen and understand each other and stop trying to assume for whatever reason when we maybe don't create the space to connect with each other mm-hmm. or we're unwilling to, and then we end up filling in the gaps with our own thoughts and
1: feelings 100% definitely speaking facts again just speaking facts <laughs> and honestly to add, add to that like um, especially because we're in psychology field like um from a brain physiology perspective um it, when you're allowing yourself to react uh you're using the you're using like your old brain you're using like the part of the brain that's not logical basically when you allow yourself to have those 5 seconds 10 minutes whatever time you need And you actually use the prefrontal cortex, the actual part that allows you to be logical, that you can actually have a a more productive conversation with that person and actually take a step Mm -hmm. back to understand where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. that's why we sometimes we need that time, Mm -hmm. you know, to collect ourselves so we don't get so emotionally charged Mm -hmm. and get upset. But a lot of it, you know, again, from what I've seen, a lot of it is based on assumptions of what each other is saying and sometimes sometimes you can tell like you can look at a person and tell they're not really listening to what you're saying because maybe they're being very animated in their facial expressions or they're doing a lot of head movements and all this Mm. looking like they're just not they're they they have not really listened to what you said they heard the words but then they put their own their bias put a, a meaning behind what you said instead of what did you mean when you said this and i think that gets a lot of us In a situation where we probably are arguing and fighting when we really didn't have to. You know, but but, but I will make this other last quick point on that subject is we got to always have this room, I say, to consider, not say that it's factual necessarily all the time, but consider that we right be open-minded, that we could be wrong. Yeah. That I know I heard this. I know you said that. I know you behave this way. And that's how it appears to me again bias hello we all have Mm -hmm. bias it appears to me that way but what if i'm wrong Mm
2: -hmm.
0: what if carlos didn't actually mean that when he said it that way what if when carlos behaved that way and the way i interpreted it that wasn't his intention what if i was to just ask him is this what you meant when Mm -hmm. you said that Is this what you meant when you Mm -hmm. did that? Is that what you meant?
2: Mm. Because if
0: it was wrong, it was like, you know what? And you're like, no, 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 no. I don't know where you got that from, but that was not my intention. (laughs) Oh, great. You know what I just did? I just saved myself from the negative feelings that I was probably going to have towards you and the behavior I was going to be. Maybe I was going to start being distant. Maybe Mm. I was going to start being cold. Maybe I was going to start being, yeah, be much more judgmental, less patient. All these things, I just avoided it all.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and this openness also allows you to, um, like this, uh, this is question that I like, like to live my life by. Would you rather be right? Or would you rather be happy?
0: Facts, facts. Especially in talking about a romantic relationship, or or even in parenting, I mm-hmm. would say. Again, when I say assumptions, I mean across the board. Yes. Um, you're not always gonna be right. And if you, if you consider that fact, then you, wouldn't, then you would challenge the way that things appear to you. And again, I'm saying it like I'm still held to the same standard. I
1: mm-hmm. have a bias
0: just like everybody else does. When I see things, I think majority of the time it is the way it appears to me.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: I also try to allow myself to challenge what it looks like. So for example, let's say somebody seems like they're in a bad mood to you. And they might behave a little more distant. So like we're in the checkout aisle and the person kind of gives me like a look or they look kind of down, right? And I might make a snap judgment. Oh, they're a sad, miserable person. Right? That's that's what my bias says. You were looking down, but you kind of scruffed at me or grunted mm. at me. I could look at you and be like, yo, what the hell is the matter with you? Why are you why are you acting like that? Mm. But had I taken a second and said, you know what? Maybe it wasn't about me. Maybe it's some stuff that they got going on, right? If I had talked to that person, not saying you have to talk to all these people, but Mm -hmm. had I talked to them, maybe I might have realized that they just lost their home, Mm -hmm. or they just lost their job, or their child is in the hospital. And so they're struggling right now just to make it day to day. That context matters. Now, you don't always get that context, because you're not going to talk to every person to learn that about them. But... If I just consider, maybe this isn't the way it appears to me. Maybe it's not. I can have more peace. I can be more patient. I can give more grace to people the same way that we want it. Because we all go through stuff. You know, Maybe I'm going to need that too. So let me make sure that I'm giving out here
2: Mm -hmm. what I
0: want to receive. Let me give it first. I want grace. So I'm going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. I want patience. So I'm going to give it to you. I want good understanding and good communication. So I'm going to give it to you. Not you give it to me and then I'll figure out when I'm going to get back to you. No, man, that's not how that works. Mm -mm. So I just think it's one of those things that we need to be much more conscious of. Things aren't always the way they appear. And if we consider that maybe we're wrong sometimes, maybe we'll have less tension and and friction in our lives uh, overall. I don't yeah. know if you if you would agree with that.
1: 100%. you're right. Like we have to be open to be wrong. Like to be open like and 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 not be um so attached to this idea. Like it is important for you to just allow it to happen and 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 it's important to remember that you um what you want to get you got to give. Um like Ajay said it's important. Like that that's really what it boils down to. Um and yeah, honestly, you are speaking facts, bro. Like I don't have to thank tell you you're speaking facts. Like no, no it's not thank you.
0: Thank you. I I appreciate it. I mean, these are things I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, because of the work I do. And then, you know, Mm. combining that with my own lived experiences, I'm like, man, I just want us as people to just treat each other better. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easier if you look at it from a lens of, I want that from you. Mm. Right. So then let me consider giving that to you then first. Like, you don't gotta, you don't, I don't know you. So I don't, I don't want to expect the worst from you. I mean, some people do, but I don't want to expect the worst from you. Mm. So let me treat you like I would treat anybody else and give you that opportunity first, instead of assuming that you're going to do the worst by me. Mm. And maybe I might find that in the future, my interactions with people are generally more pleasant. Mm. You know, like I, maybe I find that I find that I'm kind of moving through life a little easier. I'm not like this rigid, tense, guarded, closed up. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you. Maybe I don't have to do that. You know? I can be like, no, man. Like, talk to me. How's your day? What's going on? I like to do that with just random people. Maybe in a grocery store and talking to the cashier or whatever. Like, just having that sort of disposition towards folks. I don't think it's impossible to do. It is hard. It does require intention to do so. But when you start doing it, I think it can lead to more peace than being so frustrated and, and guarded all the time. You know? I don't know if you've seen that in your lived experience yeah. or, or you uh, know people that are like that, but...
1: Definitely. I definitely both. I know people and I used to be that same way myself. Um, and and I, it, it's important for us to, like, uh, search for that peace. Because, again, like, what you put out is what you're going to get back. So if if you're... Living in, um, in distress, if you're living in um, in fear and, and, and hate and whatever it is that you're living, yeah. you're most likely going to get that back from the people around you, they're, they're, and even if they don't mean to, even if they're not aware of it. Um, so it's important for us to be intentional and aware of, of what kind of energy we're putting out there. Um, it's it's necessary. So if you want people to be peaceful and be kind to you, then you've got to make sure you're doing that as well.
0: Um, and
1: you gotta and again, that goes, it goes back to making sure you fill up your cup and like search for that piece and make sure you take care of yourself first. It's gonna be a lot easier to deal with, with difficult situations because I can assure you, you will have difficult situations in your life. Um, Absolutely. and what really matters is how we respond again, the word respond to those situations, and it's important for us and, and our whole community to move away from reacting. Um, yes. Oh, yes. uh, and begin to respond even when things seem like they're not going to work out even if things were tough make sure that you're taking a, a, a few minutes even days if you need to make sure that you respond um accordingly um yeah. that's going to create a lot of peace in your life uh, it's going to create a lot of peace in the people in your life as well
0: now nah, man preach 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 it's so important that we we think more about being resp- think about being responsive mm-hmm. instead of reactionary Um, because, you know, reacting just allows us in that moment, you know, I I think I I hear people sometimes say, you know, like, well, it's just, you know, the emotions were high. So that's why I did what I did. It's like, yeah, I get it. I'm not saying I don't understand how that happened. What I'm saying Mm -hmm. is now, but then think about what happened after though. Then if this is somebody you value, right, this is how you should get people. If this is somebody you value, right, now you got to go back and apologize. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now they have some negative feelings towards you do you understand that you didn't have to have that happen if you just kept yourself under control in terms of taking that moment take that pause if you need to and say you know what carlos i'm really upset right now i'm gonna go take a walk man i'll I'll be back and then we can finish this conversation if that's cool with you all right bet i'm out so that way i can go get some clarity get some peace for a bit of time come back re-engage let's figure out where the discrepancy is. Let's figure out where we're not on the same page about this issue. And then no apologies needed. Glad we're able to work that out, bro. Mm. Appreciate you. Right? Not, I'm sorry, I screamed at you. I'm sorry, I insulted you. I'm sorry, I called you this name. I'm sorry, I hit your car. I'm sorry, I whatever other scenario you want to come up with. I don't have to apologize for none of that. I just say, I appreciate you for giving me the space to be open and honest with you. I'm glad we we're able to figure out whatever that issue was and let's, let's keep it moving forward.
1: That, mm-hmm. Way easier, man. And I, easier. I, I,
0: I want us to understand that. And, and yes, like you said, being reactionary, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. It's very mm-hmm. challenging. Something,
2: response. <laughs>
0: and some, some things happen. Some things are so heinous and so mm-hmm. traumatic that I get it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but we're talking about more often than not. We're not saying ever. But more often than not, let me choose to be responsive and not react. Mm
2: -hmm. It's not,
0: we don't live in black or white thinking, as I would say, or or everything or nothing. Mm -hmm. There's nuance. So, more often than not, though, let me choose to be responsive because maybe it'll create more peace in my life, as Carlos said. But, to bring it back to some positivity, some things that we are hopeful for, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you for your future, man, and for some of the goals and maybe ambitions that you have. What are some of the things, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, that you have your sights set on moving forward?
1: I'm hyped. Okay. Uh, so first of all, I'm actually, um, for the next couple of years, I'm focused on, um Work continuing to work continuing to work with um, the Superfood Company that I that I partnered last last year. Um, specifically though, um, I've been stepping into the leadership uh, leadership position. Um, specifically though, the Spanish leadership position, where I'm able to educate and train and coach other leaders in the Spanish community to share the message of health, of generational health and wealth with our communities, and do it in an effective way, do it in a, in a way that uh, anyone can actually uh, understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way we can um, reach as many people as possible and help our communities get healthy and, and wealthy at the same time. Yes. Um, and and using this vehicle, um, I'm actually working on starting my own profit um, that I'm gonna be releasing next year. Um, I'm already talking to moms, I'm talking to um, other doctors and BCBAs where um, I'm gonna be doing events here in the Valley um, that I'm gonna record so they can be duplicated by other people all over the world. Got it. Um, where I'm going to be doing health and fitness with our, with our kiddos um, because not everyone understands the verbiage. Not everyone understands health and fitness. Um, and that uh, as deeply as like a lot of the people that I know and a lot of people that I work with. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get that going um, and get um, the events going here in the Valley um, awesome. and really just add value to our community and like, you know, promote health and fitness uh, within the autistic community. Cause it's something that's not, Really common, um, mm-hmm. at all, anywhere. Uh, <laughs> like, sure. You can say the U.S., you can say the world. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's it it really is not not common.
0: Yeah, no, that's beautiful, man. Mm-hmm. And shout out to you for even being willing to do that type of work. I know. I certainly can say I, I know what it's like to be in a space where you're one of very few uh, mm-hmm. in the majority, uh, particularly in the field of mental health, mm-hmm. and. I can definitely appreciate you know where you're coming from and wanting to create that impact in the different unique ways that you have skill and experience and knowledge and more importantly you have the passion you care about trying to help people from those communities and people who are struggling to manage maybe children who are suffering from autism and how to integrate them better into society and all these other challenges that come with when you have that type of diagnosis right So that's, that's, that's good that you care enough to want to do that type of work. And I'm sure if there's any opportunities to promote and support, you know, what you got going on that, you know, I definitely want you to come back and let's make sure, you know, we're all doing everything we can to support those types of missions, because the work we're talking about is very hard. You know, none Mm -hmm. of the stuff that we share today is particularly (laughs) easy. You know, everything we laid out is like, "Mm, it's going to take a lot of work, Mm -hmm. resources, professionals, people Mm -hmm. who just care. So I'm very glad that you have found that type of calling. It uh, seems similar to what I'm doing, and that you're very motivated. Because I think we're going to need all the help that we can get. So I'm I'm happy for you and proud that you are doing that type of work, I man. I hope you keep your head up and and keep focused on it as you Definitely, move forward. I
2: appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it. For sure, absolutely.
0: Sure. Any closing thoughts or things that you want us or the audience to kind of leave us with before we call it a wrap?
1: Um. I, I got to bring it back to um, something that I mentioned throughout the call. Um, if if you get anything out of this call, um, as, as uh, a, a, a black male of color, um, is feel your feelings. Please, please, please feel your feelings. Um, find space, find the people that allow you to do that, but make sure that you are feeling your feelings, because if you don't. Then we're gonna perpetuate all of this suffering and 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 hate and and pain that our communities have been experiencing for decades, if not hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. We need to move into healing, and we and it's important for us. And it starts with us, and it starts with filling your cup first. So fill feel your feelings.
0: Absolutely, man. I could not say that any better. That is definitely a place to start. Whether mm-hmm. you have a professional that you're working with or not, also you can journal that's a part of feeling your feelings. I think yes. that's definitely a great way to add to that. But I thank you a lot for being here for making the time for being vulnerable. You know, that's largely like I said, what the platform is about and hopefully normalizing these discussions more and more and more. Mm-hmm. I hope that if you're a listener or you're watching this right now and you've gained some value, please like this information, subscribe, promote it, encourage it across the board. I think it's very important We're A very small minority within these minorities trying to have these discussions engage with people that look like us not that again that it's against anybody else but it's really to speak to us because not a lot of us that do this type of work
2: Mm -hmm.
0: but i appreciate you for being here man and i'm gonna say that we are going to be signing off so thank you all for listening and watching i'm rj this is the iws podcast and we're gonna call it a wrap peace